Welcome back to the Attention Podcast, where you learn how to gain and retain the attention of your buyers to build an audience. I'm Dan Sanchez with Sweetfish, and today I interviewed Michael Hartman, who is the principal of Hartman Advisory Group, the senior director of marketing operations at Informa Markets, and the host of the MoPros podcast. Today, we talked about the most common obstacle around building an audience. And that's just not getting started due to perfectionism. So in this episode, we cover how to overcome perfectionism, how he collects feedback, and the process he uses for iterating and getting better. And be sure to stick around to the end where I cover my top takeaways and what I'm going to implement for this show. So Michael, in the pre-interview, when we were talking about audience growth, something that you said that jumped out to me was that people shouldn't worry about being polished. Why is that? Yeah, it kind of comes down to, I think one of people who've worked with me over the years probably will will recognize this. I always say that perfection gets in the way of progress. And I think there's a lot of people who feel like, yeah, I need to have something perfect or polished, maybe the alternative word, right? But if I think in your pursuit of getting something that's perfect or polished, you feel like, oh, we can't really put this out because it will, you know, we won't look good. I'm not saying don't put some care into what you're producing, whether it's written content, podcasts, videos, whatever. But at the same time, I truly believe that what is perfect or what is beautiful or what is well-written is a fairly personal kind of point of view, really. And so trying to solve for that, especially if you are like, I've been at big organizations where you have so many stakeholders who all have different points of view. It's really hard to get something out because you're going through all these different reviews. People feel like they need to have their input. And t- two things happen. I think they're both negative. One is it takes a long time to get it out, right? So you're, you're slow to get... You, so if you really want to move fast, I think not focusing on being perfect is one thing that's important. The second is that when you get that many people involved, very often what happens is you get sort of the least common denominator result. And actually it becomes less good in a sort of an ironic way, right? And that's not to say you don't want to seek input. It's I think it's when you get input and then you need to be comfortable with going to, going to market with stuff that may not be completely polished, but will be, and I hate to say good enough, but good enough to start moving the needle. And I think then you can learn. I mean, that's the beauty of the current kind of world of marketing is that we get so much data that if we I think we spend too much time up front trying to get perfect and not enough time understanding was that perfect piece of content, did it did it perform the way we expected it to? I think the shift should be you know, a little more towards understanding what worked, what didn't work, and then feeding that back into the next time. Absolutely. So in this quantity versus quality debate, the feeling you're going to push a little bit more into the quantity and it kind of makes sense. And this is kind of like, if there was a, ever a team between the two, of course, it's both, right? But if there was ever a team, I'd probably find a more on quantity side, just because if I can take more swings and take a lot more misses, yeah, after a while, after hundreds of swings, I'm probably going to have way more hits than the person who only took one swing a day. If I'm taking hundreds of swings a day, I'm having more misses, but I'm also probably going to get better faster, right? You know, especially people who grew up in a digital age for photography, just as an example, right? I didn't, I'm older. I grew up where you, know, you had to have film and film was expensive and processing the film was expensive. And the big, what I've learned is that the big difference between the casual photographer, 
home photographer and the professional back in those days, professional photographers didn't necessarily always take better photographs, but they took more, right? So they had more opportunities to get good photographs than we did. You know, there's also like equipment and everything else, but at the end of the day, it was the volume of stuff that they did that produced the best things. And so, and then over time, right, they learned how to get better at framing and everything else, which I think that's the point, right? So it's a good analogy for what I just described, right? You want to, I'd like your analogy to, right, get more swings, right, and more opportunities. I also, but I do want to clarify, like, I don't know that it means just sheer volume is not to me the right answer either, but I do think being able to move quickly and learn quickly and then adjust, that's, to me, that's the real game changer of not focusing on being perfect or polished. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, even with this podcast, I released the first 10 episodes and I edited them myself. The next ones are going to be professionally edited and I'm changing the format. So it's kind of like you just have to start making changes. Most people who do quantity and the reason why people don't like them is because they just keep doing the same thing and it's never getting better. <laughs> right? Absolutely. I wonder like even in the beginning when you're just getting started, how do you know it's good enough? Because I'm sure we've seen some content out there. It's kind of like, did you even read what you wrote? <laughs> like it doesn't even make sense, right? Sure. How do you coach your team members on getting started? And do you think they even still today like default too close to being perfect or they go too fast sometimes? Yeah, and I think it goes beyond content, you know, and my world is a little less focused on content production from in my day job. Podcast is a different thing, but day job is more marketing operations. And yeah, there's a lot of reporting or um, analysis and things like that. And it's really easy to get caught up in doing too much analysis almost, right? So you're doing so much analysis, you're not actually getting insights. And I think, so the same thing happens. So my, my point is, first off, you can't know everything about how the audience is going to work, right? So do good work, right? Get it to a point where you are comfortable putting it out in the world and then see what the reaction is. And that's, this is the hard part is being willing to take that, that feedback and the input, whether that's from colleagues, friends, family, and in a podcast case, right? Listeners, we've done this actually, we've been very focused on Opscast where we, the podcast I'm, co-host of, that we are always seeking input. And I wanted to be creative and try some things. So we're, our audience is very much focused on ops and tech. We had a guest on one time who did who's, who has a podcast herself that focuses on audio branding, which I thought our audience being curious would be very interested. And I thought she was interesting. It was very, it was, I think they found it interesting, but that's the one for example, that's one podcast where I got feedback that was not, I wouldn't even say it was negative. It was just like, hey, that was interesting, but can you focus on these? Like, that's not really a th- something I think will, will be something that our audience will care about, your audience will care about as much. So that was a good lesson, right, to be open to that feedback. And so we learned and we pivoted. This goes way back for me personally. This goes back to when I first moved from IT management consulting into marketing. I was, this was when I was at Texas Instruments. One of the first couple of weeks I was there, we actually did a customer panel, you know, where we were behind the, I can never remember if it's one-way glass or two-way glass, right? The mirror. And we were behind that and they couldn't see us. And I, and I remember like literally like standing up, 
you know, shaking my fist going, what are these customers saying? Like, what are they talking about? That makes no sense. In that moment, it really hit me like, oh my God, we'd really have to listen to their feedback. And what I learned in that moment was really important, not only for customers, but also internally. So again, being sort of in charge of web content at the time for a specific part of the business, yeah, there was no shortage of people giving us feedback about what we should do, shouldn't do, what was working, not working. But it was a, you know, a data point of one. So I used to get defensive when people would come to me with that feedback. And it was really a sort of a natural reaction. But what I've learned to take from that was they're not really criticizing me. They're sharing their opinion, their input, and they want us to know. So one of the things I've always told my teams since then is, Go seek that feedback. Don't tell people not to. I always tell people, give me that feedback. Bring it on. Doesn't mean I'm going to act on it. But if I was to stop that flow of input, what I know was I would be missing, well, there's one person who has that opinion. Here's a second person, a third person. And I start to see these patterns of feedback. And that's what I really wanted. And so that was a, a key part for me of sort of my personal growth and how I try to direct my team just don't take this stuff personally, right? Don't allow people, to, like personal attacks, don't, that's not okay. But feedback like that, let it come through. And I, especially as much as I think most marketers might not like to hear this, like I especially liked hearing it from salespeople or customer s- support because they're the ones interacting with customers all the time. So I usually actually pay more attention to that than I do say to other marketers. Sorry, marketers. But that's, I think, if you really want to be customer serving or customer facing or you know, doing what's right for the customer from a messaging standpoint, all then you need to listen to the people who are talking to them all the time. What were some of the steps you were taking to elicit feedback? Yeah. So one is just asking. So on our so for an example on our podcast, we always, always end our podcast thanking our our listeners, but also asking for feedback. And then when people do give the feedback, thank them. It's, you know, it's people want to be heard. They want to be appreciated. And then when it was, when I was doing website content, you know, we would, you know, there would be opportunities for us to present data. Here's how the website's working, not working. Here are suggestions. We always, I was always building in time though, for them to provide feedback. And that just opened up the door for them to do that on a regular basis without being prompted at that point. So somebody's on the fence for getting started now and is worried about perfection. In our pre-interview, you talked about the importance of iterating. What kind of iterations are you currently making with your content? Well, I'm, I'm, I think I may take this in a little bit different direction. I'll, I'll, I'll use the podcast as an example of one way. I, I think of this as iterating. You know, I'll give, I gave the example of the audio branding person, which wasn't really necessarily on point for our audience, but it was an iteration of trying something, sort of expanding the the topic a bit to see how it worked and then listening and learning from it. We also are continuing to like, we'll do, we've sort of playing with different things. So right now we're doing a series of interviews with different people just to hear their career journey. That wasn't something that necessarily was planned, but we had an opportunity to do one or two and people raised their hand. And now we've had six or seven people have all been sharing their stories. And what's great as the, as the person being involved in that is I'm seeing these different themes come through that are consistent across all of them. But it wasn't necessarily something planned. We didn't really go out to do that initially. But when it started, it just seemed to to work well and it connected with our audience. But we're always, we want to kind of cover, we're covering different kinds of topics 
And that's one of the things we're doing. I'm trying not to be, I'm actually a little bit con- not concerned, but I, I feel like I, I don't want to let that kind of thread dominate too much longer because we need to get back to some other topics that our, our audience cares about. And I think that's the, that's the, one of the challenges is like, how do we iterate, learn, but how do we also know when it's time to move on to something else? That's a, that's a big challenge. I mentioned like reporting and analytics. This is a great example of where iteration comes into play as a, as a, for marketers in particular. There's so much data out there and, and I, I have not met a marketing leader who doesn't want, at least lately, who doesn't want to be data driven. And the, the challenge is figuring out what is the right set of data? What are the right set of reports? Do we do a dashboard? Do we not do a dashboard? How frequently we do them? All those things are big questions. And again, it's kind of going back to this pursuit of, of perfection or polish. I think there's a real trap there where you can say like, we can't publish a dashboard until we have all, like we know exactly what everybody wants. The reality is you'll never get there. If you don't start with something, right? You need something to, to get the conversation going, to get this process started. And in data and reporting is in particular, what I've found is you put out one report and that either begs a question like, why is this, what, like, what's this spike here? What is that from? So you have to go digging deeper or it goes, oh, I asked you for that. But what I really want is this additional piece, right? And so there's a, like, if you're doing it right, I think that there's a constant iteration until you get, there's probably some steady state, but it takes that, that's an effort thing. And I think that those are both examples of how I think iterating. So whether that's content, whether that's reporting, whether it's, you know, uh, how you're implementing a strategy over time. I think iterating is a great way to approach it to think of, okay, I know the analogy I like to use for some of this stuff is I, is sailing, even though I'm not a sailor. I know that typically right, you're going to go, I'm here at this point on this body water. I need to get to over this other place. And really all I know for sure are the conditions where I'm at. So I want to make progress towards that end goal, but it's not probably going to be a straight line and be comfortable with that. But that doesn't mean I don't want to start. So I'm going to start. I'm going to make make progress toward there. I'm going to learn. I'm going to understand what's different, and then I'm going to move move forward. So I think if you think about again, this, all ties together, right? Iterating and not focusing on perfection kind of go hand in hand. It reminds me of what Jim Collins talks a lot about with uh, cannonballs and bullets, right? Like you know what works. So you aim your effort at that. But at the same time, you should always be shooting out little bullets to test things. And maybe 80% of your your work as a creator is the stuff that you know your audience likes because you've already done enough to know that those are the topics that, that resonate, that hit, the things they want to know about. But at the same time, you still have to be taking small iterations and then get the feedback, right? You do something experimental. You edit in a different way. You talk about a different topic, right? Maybe you... You bring on a different kind of guest than you normally have. You can get feedback to see if that was one that missed or hit. Most of them will miss, but it was only one off, right? Then you can, if it hit, then you're like, well, I might do it again, right? I notice creators do this all the time, especially, um, it's most noticeable across the ones that are like, I think YouTubers, because you can go and scan their whole catalog really quickly and look at the thumbnails. You go to somebody like Dude Perfect and uh, they've done a number of episodes and it's kind of like the same things over and over again. (laughs) <laughs> like the ping pong ball into a cup that's bounced off 50 things, right? Or the boomerang. Like they've they've done a lot of different things and they kind of know what works for them. And then every once in a while, they take a creative step and do something totally different. And sometimes you can tell that it was a flop and they didn't do, never did that again, right? I almost find that it goes like that for, for all things, whether it's podcast or social. It's, 
it's finding your main lane and then it always trying to evolve it by finding the next style or way to do it or topic. I'm familiar with Jim Collins, but not the bullets and uh, cannonballs. So now I've got some research to do. Oh yeah. I forget which book that's from. Gosh. Yeah. I don't even remember. I've read, it's like all, a lot of his books blend together. For me. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the interesting, the quote, one of my favorite quotes is uh, from Teddy Roosevelt. And I don't, I don't know exactly, I've seen a couple of variations of this, but it's essentially like the man in the arena is the, so if you go look up man in the arena, Teddy Roosevelt, you'll find the quote. But basically it's like, it's not the person who sat on the sidelines who really gets the glory. It's the one who got into the arena and got dirty and learned. And whether they won or lost, right, at least they knew where they stood. And that really has resonated with me. Like, I want to try stuff. And if that means trying and failing, what would people say? Trying and learning, right? You either win or you, or you learn. I think that I think that mentality is something that could apply in just about any discipline, but especially in, in, in this world of marketing and, and revenue. What are some of the iterations you've taken with your podcast so far? What are some of the, the upgrades you've added after getting that feedback? So the first thing was, yeah, we really had no idea what we were doing getting into it. And I think we initially thought, well, we want this to be, we actually started out as a live kind of almost like internet-based radio show on a different platform. And it was really interesting because we didn't get a ton, you know, we were brand new. So we had no, basically no audience at that time. We handfell people because it was tied to a community and and people would come on and they would uh, chat with us through the online chat. We had the option of bringing people on if they wanted to. Nobody ever raised their hand for that. But that was interesting, right? So, you know, that led to, that platform ended up deciding to sort of change strategically to focus on shorter content, but in ours, we're clearly going to be outside of that realm. So we quickly had to kind of figure out other options, but we, I think we really liked that sort of raw feel of the live. So if you listen to our podcast, we really do not do any editing outside of like really stuff that's going to make it really hard for somebody to read or listen. So for example, if we end up with an echo or something like that, but otherwise, I mean, we've literally had somebody on who had a fire alarm go off in his apartment building, dogs barking, things like that, kids walking through the room. And so, you know, that really, I think, informed our overall, like we want this to continue to feel like it was that kind of conversational thing. So that was a very important piece of it. So that kind of underlines everything. But from there... We've just, you know, I think we started out focusing on very technical things, which are core to what our audience does. So over time, what we knew was we needed to expand our audience. And so we started talking to more general marketing people and we would kind of alternate. We would hit, I don't know that it was, again, it wasn't necessarily totally intentional, but we sort of almost rotated core topics for a while. And then every once in a while, something would come up, whether it was through seeing LinkedIn conversations that were going on on this topic, we might ask somebody to join us to talk about that and really dig into it. You know, the idea of having people come on and tell their story. You know, we have co-hosts on ours and our very first episode was just the three of us. And then we usually have a guest room or a few guests, but we realized that we also wanted to continue to have some with just the three of us. So we, we did a thing where we started doing, you know, ops cast at night, right? Where we would... You know, we might have a, a cocktail or something in our hands. So we're just like trying to do different things to keep it interesting. I think it would have been really easy to continue to go down on just doing the tech things and just doing the things that were 
really core day-to-day things that people did. But yeah, you know, I really believe that what we need is we need to help this audience, our particular audience. Part of what we're trying to do is help them, yeah, you know, really be to learn on how they can make their career grow. And so we've talked to leader people who are in leadership roles. We've talked about people about career paths. We've talked about different things. We actually, and we did something once where we, uh, just two of us got on and we just had a, one of these after dark conversations and we talked about, we were both getting frustrated with getting cold, you know, LinkedIn requests for, from salespeople. And so we sort of bashed salespeople actually in this episode. But at the end, we actually, again, we like, we reached like, hey, if you're a salesperson and you want to give your side of this, let us know. And we actually had another episode where we had a couple of salespeople on give their their side of it. And I actually think it was beneficial for all sides to hear what they're thinking because this stuff happens in, you know, when you're actually in a, you know, a sales cycle, whether you're the buyer or the seller, you know, you're trying to do the right, I think most people are trying to do the right thing, but there's this sort of awkward connection. And this was just an open conversation about kind of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And we were kind of reacting to it. And I think, those are the kinds of things we want to do is continue to look for, like almost be opportunistic for like, oh, this is a topic that seems like it's resonating with our audience, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of clarity about how to even think about the problem, right? So that's, I think that's one of the things we're just trying to be open to that idea and looking like people are raising their hands saying they want to talk about stuff, you know? So that's, I mean, that I think that's really what we're trying to do is just continue to keep we you know we want the underlying feel and just to, like the the way the podcast comes across to be authentic and conversational and kind of deep right in terms of like we want to, we ours are typically 40 to 45 minutes sometimes longer and that's because we go i think fairly deep and very often though even with that we end up at the end we're like well, we really could have gone you know Joe Rogan style and gone another 2 hours Absolutely. And there's a place for that on some kinds of podcasts where you go really long. And I think the reason why he does it is because it's all about the clips, right? He goes really long, dives, and it affords you to go into topics that nobody else can afford to go into because he takes the time to do it. And then you can get the little clips that nobody else can get because you were able to go five questions deep instead of just one or two. But at the same time, there's a reason why most people don't have three-hour-long podcasts. Um <laughs> Um, Because it's hard to sustain attention for that long, right? So the short ones work. It has to be your only thing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So Michael, this has been a fascinating conversation about getting started, getting feedback, and then iterating based on that feedback. Thank you so much for joining me on the Attention Podcast and sharing that with the audience. Where can people learn more about you, your podcast, and your company? Sure. Well, first off, thanks for having me, Dan. It's been a fun conversation for me too. So if you're interested in connecting with me, I'm on LinkedIn. It's Michael Hartman with two N's and should be easy to find. If you're interested in our podcast, it's called Opscast. It's available on all the different players out there that you might use. And if you are want to find out more about the community that's related to for marketing ops, it's themopros.com. Those are those probably the best places to connect with us. Fantastic. Again, thanks for joining me on the show. All my pleasure. Thanks, Dan. So after walking away with this interview from Michael Hartman, there's things that are kind of rolling around my brain and there's lots of takeaways, but here are the few things that stood out to me. Because honestly, I find that I hear things over and over again, but it takes a long time for them to actually happen. Do you ever find that happens to you? You hear a thing or you see a thing 
You may see it on LinkedIn. You're like, oh, I know that. Oh, I know that. And you see it again. You're like, oh, that's old news. But how well do you actually do it? Right? It's something we need to ask of ourselves. And it's something I'm asking myself right now. There was a lot of things that we covered that seem like things that have been said before, things that I've heard on LinkedIn, even um, things that I've wrestled with. But after talking to Michael about it, it feels like I have a fresh perspective on it. And that's overcoming perfectionism, which is really at the heart of it, just insecurity. And I didn't make that up. I heard it from Gary Vanderchuk at one point where it's like perfectionism is really just uh, a cover for insecurity. And I think he's right. And the best way to overcome it as a result of me kind of like talking this through with Michael is really just getting started, getting feedback, and then iterating based on that feedback, right? And we need to start all the time. It's not like a get start once and then get some feedback and iterate. No, it's you have to push yourself out there every day. Or at least if you want to grow an audience, I found that that's kind of the frequency. It needs to be something you're focused on every day. Does that mean you have to post something really big every day? No. Probably should be posting something somewhere. I mean, if you follow my two-channel rule, you should probably at least be posting that short-form content every single day, at least five days a week if you're in B2B, right? But probably seven. You should be working on that. If, If audience growth is a serious goal you have, than just getting started on creating the content so that you can get the feedback and then iterate. If you're going to win, it takes a lot of it. It's not just a once a week thing. It has to be a daily thing, a daily rhythm. That's why the best players, that's why the people who actually grow are the ones who are getting in the most reps. It's a volume play in your practice, but you have to be practicing enough to get to perfect. Actually, I don't even believe in perfect. I'm a big fan of the... The quote from Toyota, right? Always better. Always better. Always better. Never best. Never best. I think that's a good way to kind of frame up my thoughts of this episode and what you can do about it in order to embrace that always better, never best mindset. Get started. Get feedback. Get feedback. 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 Iterate based on that feedback. Repeat over and over every day, maybe multiple times a day. That's the process. That's the like behind the scenes grind and work of building an audience is going through that motion over and over and over again. So hopefully this interview has been helpful to you. I know it's really got me thinking and pushing into what's next for this show. 